0: Good morning and welcome to our worship service. We're grateful for your presence. If you are visiting, we want to welcome you and as always, we invite you to come back and be with us. We are grateful for the opportunity that we have to be together today, for the beautiful autumn day that God has blessed us with and we are grateful for the opportunity that we have to be together. We're going to be looking at Psalm 51 in just a moment, the passage that Matt read, We're going to be looking at several verses in that particular psalm. Before we do that though, we want to turn back to the book of 2 Samuel and we're going to be looking at some excerpts from chapters 11 and 12 that serve as a backdrop for this particular psalm. The theme of our study today is coming clean with sin. Sometimes it is very difficult to admit when we have done wrong. As a matter of fact, it is sometimes extremely difficult to simply acknowledge that we have done that which we know we should not have done. And I think when you look at 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12, you see a man that... Did something that was very wrong. And yet he had the courage and the fortitude to come clean and to acknowledge his wrongdoing. The person I'm talking about is David. David has been called a man after God's own heart. David was one of the great kings. over the the United Kingdom and yet David made his share of mistakes in life. And so in chapter 11, we read of David as he has seen a very beautiful woman by the name of Bathsheba. He sent messengers and the Bible tells us that they took her and she came to him. Verse 4 in chapter 11 says that he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity, and she returned to her house. The woman conceived, so she sent and told David and said, I am with child. Now you can just imagine the alarms that went off in the mind of David when he heard that this woman that he had had sexual relations with, was now a child. And so David did what a lot of people have done in days gone past. He tried to cover up his wrongdoing. And so we find him in a very skillful way try to cover up this terrible deed that he has done. In verse 6, we read of David sending for Joab and asking Joab to, in turn, send for Uriah the Hittite. Uriah, you recall, was married to Bathsheba. And so, Joab sent to Uriah, and Uriah comes before the king. Verse eight, David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah departed from the king's house, and a gift of food from the king followed him. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and did not go down to his house. So when they told David, saying, Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, Did you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? And Uriah said to David, The ark of Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go to my house to eat and drink and to lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will not do this thing. Well, as you can see, David seeks to have Uriah go home, have relations with his wife, And in turn, that would cover up this deed. They did not have DNA testing as we do today. And so, it would be very difficult to say this is David's child. David then devises a second plan. In verse 12, we find David saying to Uriah, wait here today also and tomorrow. I will let you depart. So Uriah, Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. David called him. He ate and drank before him. And the Bible says that David made him drunk. At evening, he went out to lie on his bed with his servants of his Lord, but he did not go down to his house. Well, plan number two falls by the wayside. Two times he's tried to cover his tracks and two times he has failed. And so now he's going to, as we might say, up the ante. He's gonna take this thing to another level. And by that, I simply mean he's going to have Uriah killed on the front line of battle. And that's exactly what happens. He places him at the front line where the fiercest fighting is taking place. And you recall that Uriah is killed. Word comes back to David. And so, David responds by saying to Joab, do not let this thing displease you, for the sword devours one as well as another. Strengthen your attack against the city and overthrow it. So encourage him. When Uriah's wife heard that he had been killed, the Bible says that she mourned for her husband. When her mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. Now note, but the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. In other words, literally, "'It was evil in the eyes of the Lord.'" And so in chapter 12, we find God dispatching a man by the name of Nathan the prophet. to Stand before the king and basically tell him the error of his ways. And David's response after Nathan had met with him, "'I have sinned against the Lord.'" Now, with that background in mind, turn now to Psalm 51. In Psalm 51, we find what is often referred to as the penitential psalm. And David here literally pours out his heart to God and he comes clean with what he has done. The first thing that I would call your attention to in looking at Psalm 51 is the consciousness of sin. And this has to do with the fact that David understood that he was accountable for what he had done. Note, if you would, in verse 1. And I want you to think for just a moment about, as we read this psalm, note, if you would, how David takes personal accountability for what he has done. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is ever before me against you. You only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. We live in a day and time in which many people do not want to accept accountability for what they have done or even said. That's not the case with David. David came to realize that he had transgressed against Jehovah God. And so in a very personal way, he very plainly states, This is what I've done. Listen again. Have mercy upon me, O God. Blot out my transgressions. David understood that he had transgressed against the law of God. What was it David had done? Well, number one, he had committed adultery. And yet the Ten Commandments, strictly forbade the committing of adultery, according to Exodus chapter 20. Not only that, but he had violated another command where God had said, Thou shalt not murder. David had devised a plan where Uriah, the Hittite, would be put to death. Not only was David's sin very personal, but it was very painful to him. How do I know that David was pained by his sinful conduct before God? Look, if you would, at verse 3. I acknowledge my transgressions, my sin is ever before me. Now look at verse 4. Against you, and you only have I sinned and done this great wickedness or done this evil in your sight. David had sinned against Bathsheba, that's correct. He had sinned against Uriah, no question about that. But ultimately, David had sinned against Jehovah God. And so he could say against you and you only have I sinned. Now think about people today. First of all, there is the problem of making people aware of what they have done. In our day and time, many people have no conscience when it comes to sin. One of the reasons is because no one has ever taken the time to tell them this is what God's Word has said on the matter. You can't do that because God in His Word has forbidden it. But then there are others that may have a sense of conscience when it comes to sin. The problem, however, is that they're not willing to accept personal accountability. Go back to the Garden of Eden. Do you remember when God had instructed the first couple? They were not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God said, the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. The serpent came on the scene. He deceived Mother Eve. She took of that forbidden fruit, she ate it, and then she gave to her husband, Adam. He likewise ate. When God confronted Adam regarding the eating of the forbidden tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what did Adam say to God? Adam said, The woman whom you gave to be with me. In other words, Adam was trying to shift the blame to God and to the woman. In other words, God, you're the one that gave this woman to me and because you gave her to me, she then gave me of this forbidden tree and I ate and now I have transgressed your law. There are a lot of people like that today. They do not want to own up to what they have done. David was not like that. There's a second thing that we see in our lesson text. Note, if you would, his confession of sin. That is, his admission. Note again what David says. In verse 1, "'Have mercy upon me, O God, "'according to your loving kindness, "'according to the multitude of your tender mercies. "'Blot out my transgressions. "'Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. "'Cleanse me from my sin. "'For I acknowledge my transgressions. "'My sin is ever before me. "'Against you and you only have I sinned "'and done this evil in your sight.'" David was very plain and forthright about what he had done. It's interesting to me that there was no sidestepping, no sidestepping on the part of David. David did not try to sweep under the carpet what he had done with Bathsheba. Now granted, if you go back to 2 Samuel chapter 11, it's evident that David did initially try to cover up what he had done. But once he was made aware of his transgression, he acknowledged it. He was very forthright. How many people do you think today will engage in some type of activity that they know is wrong? And instead of coming clean with that particular transgression, they try to sidestep the issue. They try to sweep it under the carpet to act as if it never happened. There are a lot of folks like that. Sometimes we say, well, I would never do that. There's no way that I would ever try to cover up what I've done. Sometimes we do it and do not even realize what we're doing. Take, for example, individuals that become unfaithful to the cause of Christ. They leave the Lord. They leave the church. They're no longer faithful in His service. And then, over a period of time, they begin coming back to worship. But the interesting thing is some individuals act as if their unfaithfulness never happened. They never come clean. They never say, look, I was unfaithful. I am repenting for my unfaithfulness. For not being a productive member of the body of Christ, for not being an influence for good, for not being the right example before others, for not serving the Lord, for not loving him with all of my heart, soul, and mind. There are people that try to literally sweep under the carpet their sinful past. I was talking to somebody on one occasion about a particular group of people and it was my perception that this particular group of people, when they were confronted with a situation, they would oftentimes, instead of dealing with that problem and dealing with that situation in a very forthright way, they would sweep it under the carpet. Just ignore it. You cannot ignore sin. David may have thought initially that he had gotten away with something. How he thought that, I do not know. David knew the law of God. David was well versed in the Ten Commandments. And yet David had to have Nathan the prophet show him the error of his ways. Sometimes it takes a Nathan to tell people what they're doing is wrong. I look around in our society today and I see a country that is moving in the wrong direction. I think about some of the moral ills that are going on in our country today some of the things that people are doing that are really beyond one's imagination. And I wonder, who is going to be the Nathan to stand up and say, listen, we as a nation of people, we have had enough of this. We're not going to tolerate this this kind of behavior any longer. You see, Solomon said, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach unto any people. Look around in our country. Is it not the case that there is a dire need for someone with the fortitude and the courage of a Nathan to stand up and say, You're wrong. We're moving in the wrong direction. We need to come back to God. We need to honor the law of God. Look in our schools today. We have done everything humanly possible to expunge God from the classroom. When I was growing up as a child, I recall the very first scripture that I memorized was Psalm 100. I remember quoting that before our student body when I was in the first grade. We had a student body of probably five or 600 people. Could you do that today? We had prayer. We said the Pledge of Allegiance. We had, and I went to a public school, we had weekly Bible classes, weekly. Now you tell me, Are we moving forward as a nation, morally speaking, or are we going backwards? When I was growing up, you know what the problems were in school? Talking in class, chewing gum, breaking line. I know because I got in trouble many times. You didn't see people bringing handguns to school. You didn't see metal detectors. You didn't see people bringing knives to school. Now, there may have been been some guys that brought their hunting knives to school, but they never thought about using it on a classmate or a teacher. Who's going to be the Nathan that will stand up and tell people In our country, we need to return to God. Now, you see, when you look at at David, David was a man that was willing to take rebuke. The problem with a lot of people today, if you tell them they've done something that's wrong, they get mad. Instead of realizing that they're doing you a favor, they're trying to get you back on the right track They take offense to it. David didn't take offense to what Nathan said. I tend to believe that David was very grateful for what Nathan the prophet had done. Thirdly, note if you would, his cleansing of sin. This has to do with the atonement or purging. Note if you would, In verse two, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. Note if you would verse seven, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. First of all, we think about the removal of sin. If somebody tells you they do not have a problem with sin in their life, They're not being truthful. Sin is a problem. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now there are alien sinners, that is those who have never obeyed the gospel, they need to obey the gospel. They need to come to Christ. Then there are those who go into apostasy, that is they leave the Lord. They've been baptized into Christ, their sins have been removed, but they go back into the world and thus they bear the guilt of sin. They no longer enjoy fellowship with God. The beauty of a relationship with the Lord is that our sins can be removed. David, think about David for a moment. Here is a guy that has had Uriah the Hittite killed on the front line of battle. You want to talk about guilt? Here's a man that knew firsthand he was responsible for having another person put to death. Then he had a child out of wedlock, wedlock, that is Bathsheba, bore a child to him. David felt the pain of guilt. He understood the importance of sin being removed. Is it possible that we today do not understand the importance of being cleansed from sin? Very quickly, in verse 8, note the restoration. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which you have broken may rejoice. In verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your generous spirit. I think about the song, chords that were broken will vibrate once more. To enjoy the beautiful restoration of fellowship that had been broken. And then finally, the renewal. Look at verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. You know the beauty of enjoying a relationship to God? is that we can enjoy a sense of renewal, a sense of refreshment, if you please. Look at the life of David. You see a man that was a good man in many respects, and yet David made a terrible mistake in his life. But just because he made a mistake did not mean that God could not use him. God could use him. God did use him. But David had to own up to what he had done. Psalm 51 informs us that David came clean with sin. He owned up to what he had done. I wonder if it's possible today that there are people that have never owned up to what they have done. You know what I'm talking about? We act as if what we've done never occurred, never happened. You know, the best thing to do is just lay it at the altar of God. Some have never been baptized into Christ. Some have never seen the importance of obeying the gospel. Today is your day. Why not come to Christ? Why not be relieved of the burden of sin? What would you need to do? The Bible says that you need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Repent of your sins. Confess His name and then be buried with him in a watery grave of baptism. To rise to walk in newness of life. Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Acts 2.38. If you're unfaithful, maybe you've not been faithful to the Lord for many years. Maybe your life's not been what it should be. Today's your golden opportunity to make things right. Why not leave here faithful, back in fellowship with God and with his people and enjoy the beauty of restoration? Won't you come as we stand and sing?